You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Hey, what's going on, church? I'm excited for what you're about to experience today because you are going to hear a phenomenal sermon. It's not by me, though, because I'm not here. I'm actually celebrating 12 years of marriage with my wife in Riviera Maya. We are on vacation because sometimes you got to treat yourself. But uh, so that's where we are. But I have not left you without a phenomenal sermon. You're going to hear today from Dr. Darius Daniels, who's the pastor of Change Church in New Jersey. Now, Dr. Darius Daniels travels all over the place for conferences, uh, nationwide, international. People pay to come hear him speak. And today you're going to get a chance to hear him for free through the power of technology. Uh, This is a sermon that I listened to in my car through their podcast. And I was amening just in the car i was i was wanting to take notes it was awesome and i kept thinking to myself i gotta get this in front of our church i gotta have our people hear this and i kept thinking okay i'm gonna steal it i'm gonna steal it i'm gonna steal it and i'm gonna preach it but then i just realized i can't preach it as good as he does so i wanted to bring the sermon to you just like he did this is a synopsis of that sermon it ran on tv and i can't wait for you to hear it the title of the sermon is it's time for a breakthrough and i really believe that today is going to be a day that if you you'll listen to this, if you'll put it into practice, you will experience a breakthrough in your life. Today's the day where many of you are going to exit the cycles you've been in and start living in the seasons God has called you to. So I can't wait. Would you lean forward, take out your note card, get ready to take some notes and make some noise as we welcome Dr. Darius Daniels to the screen. Come on, make some noise. I know you can get louder than that. Family, the author of Ecclesiastes is a winsome and wise sage named Solomon. And Solomon in chapter 3 verse 1 offers some incredible insight that is connected to what I want to communicate to us over the course of these next four weeks. Solomon suggests that life can be and should be a compilation of seasons. He says quite clearly in Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. I would argue and contend that although this is the intention of the eternal, it is not always our experiences because if we aren't conscious, calculated, and careful, life can not only be a compilation of seasons, It can also mutate into a compilation of cycles. And the cycle and the season are not the same. Seasons change with time. Cycles change with us. Seasons are entered into and exited out of. Cycles can be a time and a space where we enter into something and never exit out of it. With seasons such as the one we're in, winter, if we can just make it to June, somebody say, hurry up, June, hurry up. 
if we can just make it to June, then we will be free of the variables associated with winter such as cold weather. But cycles, on the other hand, are quite different because time can change and things don't. Am I making sense? If a person is in a pattern of stagnation and or dysfunction for the majority or most of their life, that is not a season. That's a cycle. A cycle is a season we get stuck in. And it functions almost like a proverbial hamster's wheel where we are exerting energy, extending effort, growing weary, but going nowhere. It's, it's, it's when we are in a season where time is changing, but the relationship isn't. Time is changing, but the resources aren't. Time is changing, but the mindset isn't. Time is changing, but my peace isn't. Time is moving, but my life is standing still. That's not a season. That's a cycle. And cycles can be demoralizing. They can be disappointing. They can be discouraging because no human wants to spend life on a hamster's wheel. Hamsters will create quandaries of sorts because we can invest so much energy and effort trying to break a cycle we're unable to break so that brings discouragement. Then on the flip side, we are dealing with a degree and a dimension, dimension of at least agi agitation and discomfort. So we want to change, but we're tired of trying to change and can't change. So we want to quit changing. But we hate the state of not being able to change. So we don't want to stay the way that we are. So we mad when we don't change and we mad because we want to change and can't. And the enemy likes to use that to, to infect us with hopelessness that things will never change. However, God, I believe, wants to use this series to reveal to us another aspect of his identity. He is not just your creator. He is not just your comforter. He is also your cycle breaker. He is God of the breakthrough. He, he specializes in stagnation. He is the God of movement and advancement. He specializes in moving things. What is unmovable becomes movable because it has to bow to the power of our God. Am I making sense? There are instances all throughout scripture where we see examples of this. In Mark chapter 5, there's a woman who has a cycle that doesn't end for 12 years. And she hears that Jesus is passing by. And she says to herself, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, this cycle will break. There was a woman who was in the synagogue Jesus was teaching at. And the Bible says she had an 
undisclosed infirmity that caused her back to be bent over for 18 years. Now don't judge her because we all have some places where we're not straight. I didn't hear you, LA. I said that don't judge her. We all have some places that are not straight. But what happened is Jesus didn't deal with her crookedness. Jesus dealt with the infirmity that was causing her to be crooked because some people aren't crooked because they're evil. They're crooked because they're infirmed. And until you deal with the area that they are unhealthy and infirmed in, they will not be able to get upright in that area. Am I making sense? So she is sitting in the synagogue and Jesus as he has done teaching looks at her and has this prophetic exchange all the people in the room he looks right at her and he says woman thou art loosed from your infirmity and the infirmity left her and the woman who had dealt with crookedness in her back for 18 years was able to break the cycle because God is the God of breakthrough there's another amazing example of this in John chapter 5 where there's an unnamed man with an undisclosed infirmity who superstitiously places himself by a certain pool called Bethesda. He is dealing with this infirmity for 38 years, the Bible says. And Jesus walks over everyone else sick in the area and stops where this man is laying. That's favor. He steps over everybody else and stops where this man is. That's favor. See, some of you are upset and agitated by the fact that God is relentless in his pursuit of you. You feel like, why won't God just leave me alone? That's favor on you that won't let you stay where you are. That's, that, that's favor that's on you that every time you get ready to give up, something on the inside of you quickens and awakens you to try again that won't, you, that won't let you live dysfunctionally, that won't let you live unbiblically, that corrects you and convince you conviction and says get up from there you don't belong there they can lay there I'm gonna step over them but favor is on you you got to get up I don't know who this is for in the room today but somebody say get up, get up. He, 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 he asked the man do you want to be made whole and the man said I have no one to put me in the pool someone who jumps in before me and Jesus says take up your bed and walk and this man who had dealt with an undisclosed issue for 38 years that's a long time I don't I don't know if you know what it's like to wrestle with something for 30 years and the man wanted to be free but he couldn't have have you ever wanted to be free and just couldn't be free and you hate what has you in bondage and you hate yourself because you're in bondage to it he wanted to be free but God is the God of breakthrough and I believe he's having this conversation with us this month because he's getting ready to move you God does not articulate what he is unwilling to accomplish he only gives verbal proclamations when he's ready to give a visible demonstration. He says in Isaiah chapter number 55, verse number 11, he says to Isaiah, he says, I want you to see how rain falls from the sky and how it evaporates up back up into the atmosphere and manifests itself with dew in the, like dew in the morning. He says, so shall my word be that comes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will 
will accomplish what I desire. When God articulates something, it's because he wants to accomplish something. He talks to you about what he's getting ready to do. And if he's talking to us about breakthrough, it must mean that he's getting ready to bring breakthrough to somebody's life. And I want to know, is there anybody here that says, bring it on? I'll tell you, yes, I'm, I'm ready for it. Because God is not just our creator. He's not just our sustainer. He's not just our shepherd. God is God of the breakthrough. So when we endure, like many of us are seasons where we feel stuck and where we experience stagnation, don't allow the adversary to infect you with hopelessness and hatefulness. Don't pander in pity because God is getting ready to break you out. I feel a jailbreak getting ready to happen. I said I feel a jailbreak getting ready. I said I feel a jailbreak getting ready to happen. He's a God of the breakthrough and our, and our foundational text today exposes us to information on how to experience one. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, the central figure in this part of the passage is a gentleman named David. It is the same David who defeated a, a giant named Goliath. Now, after David's defeat of Goliath through a series of events, he ascends to occupy the role of king over this nation. It's important to note that his ascension was an incremental ascension, meaning he assumed leadership over one part of the kingdom before he assumed leadership of the entirety of the kingdom. It's an incremental ascension because God is engaging in incremental development and he wants to make sure David's ascension doesn't outpace his development because it's a disaster when you get to destiny unprepared did you hear what i just said yeah it's disastrous to fight for the promotion and then get it and can't do the job it's it's disastrous to ask for the opportunity and then get it and not be able to properly manage it it's incremental ascension because there's incremental development am i making sense family so this, 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 is, this is interesting, and I think, I think it's important that we embrace this because uh, Brandon Bruchard says that you shouldn't ask to go to the next level if you're barely surviving the one you own. <laughs> Incremental ascension. So, so to everything, there's a time. God knows when to get you there and he knows what needs to be in you what needs to be developed what needs to be strengthened what needs to be fortified what needs to be removed before you get there so you got to trust not only the place that God is taking you but we've got to trust the pace don't just trust the place but trust the pace he knows the pace that we need to move at to be where we need to be on time and you may feel behind schedule but I promise you when he gets you there if you let him order your steps and if you stay at the right pace you won't get there too soon and be out of breath and you won't get there too late and miss your opportunity incremental ascension 
This is interesting, though, because the text says in verse 17 that when David was anointed king over all of Israel, listen to what the text says. It says the Philistines heard about it. Now, who are the Philistines? Philistines are actually the people group that Goliath came from. Goliath was a Philistine. So David defeated Goliath. Now he is facing adversity from the Philistines. So the Philistines represent the thing you thought you were through with. The Philistines represent the, the, the residue of a problem that you defeated, but you didn't finish. It, 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 it's interesting because the Philistines don't come after David until they hear that David has been anointed king over all Israel. You see that? This is why incremental ascension is important. Because God not only uses incremental development to prepare us for the positives of promotion, he also uses it to prepare us for the negatives of promotion. Because everyone is not going to be excited about your ascension. Are you hearing me? Now their lack of excitement doesn't rob you of your ascension. It doesn't rob you of your opportunity, but it can rob you of the joy that you can experience from it. And that's why the enemy, that's how he uses jealousy. Jealousy doesn't take from you what someone is jealous of. But if you are focused on their jealousy, it takes your joy. And so you won't be able to enjoy the blessing that God has benevolently bestowed upon you because you're allowing the hate and the jealousy to consume your attention and you're trying to change the minds of people who no matter what happened won't change their opinion at some time at some point you've got to learn how to turn your face close your eyes and say thank you Jesus if I'm the only one that's happy about this me myself and I are about to be happy in your goodness for my life. Here it is. So this is my question. Why all of a sudden are the Philistines attacking once he's assumed this area of responsibility? It's, it's quite simple. They assume that now that he's king, he's going to finish the job he started with Goliath. They were thinking he slayed Goliath and all he had was a rock. What is he going to do with us when he has an army? So here it is. Israel historically was afraid of the Philistines. But here in this context, the Philistines are afraid of Israel. They're afraid of what David is going to do when he steps into the fullness of his potential. This happened literally for David. It happens metaphorically with us because our enemy, Satan, understands that God has a prepared place for you and me. And when we step into the fullness of that prepared place, that enemy is also nervous about what we're going to do to his kingdom. So what he does is he attempts to take you out of position before you get in it.
David hadn't even sat on the throne good before he has a step into a battle because the enemy wants to attack before you have an accurate understanding of who you are and the seat that you actually sit in because he knows if you ever step into the fullness of who you are if he nervous now he's going to have a breakdown then and I want someone to know that you don't have to be afraid of the enemy if you're under attack that means the enemy is afraid of you I want somebody to help me praise them right there the attack is confirmation of your greatness the intensity of the attack is evidence of the enemy's fear and his trepidation about you stepping into all that God's called you to be he don't want you to sit in the seat that's been assigned for you. But you might as well tell the devil he can go ahead and drink some coffee, smoke a cigarette or something. Because if he is scared now, he is really about to lose his wits later. Because I refuse to stay stuck and stay stagnant and not step into God's best for my life. Here it is. Behind schedule. Here it is. The Bible says that David heard about it and he went down to the stronghold. Now, I'll, it's, it's important to know the nature and the temperament of the person we're talking about. David is a fighter by nature. When you paint many of these Old Testament characters as anything other than masculine men, that is, you're doing a disservice to the text. This man was such a fighter, history suggests, he slept with a sword in his bed after he was king. Some of y'all might have something on you right now. I don't know. I don't know. Like he, he's, he, 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 he was called a man of war. As a king, he wanted to build a temple. And God used the prophet to tell him, you've got way too much blood on your hand. Not just Uriah's blood, but you've been such a man of war. There's so much blood on your hands. I can't have you build this. He's such a fighter that when a lion and a bear attempted to harm some of his father's sheep, he fought them off with his bare hands. So instinctively, when he's under attack, the fighter is going to rise up. Can you relate? Is there anybody watching me? Watching me? Anyone here that can relate? I said when he's under attack, say, wait. Right, huh? Some of you, right, come on, the residue of that is still there. Sometimes the tone of people's voice. So, okay, let me go to this side because I feel, this is my real side right here. Sometimes the tone of people's voice raises up the fight. You say, now, wait a minute now, say it different. Say it different. <laughs> Don't get loud. Now wait. Don't do that. <laughs> Say it different. <laughs> so he's aware of his ability. Okay? He's aware of his ability. That's important. Humility isn't ignorance. You can be aware and still be humble. I think we would all say Jesus was humble, but he was very aware. Most of what we know about Jesus, he told us about himself. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Right? So humility isn't being ignorant of what you have. Humility is just remembering who gave it to you. Make sense? So David's aware of who he is. 
and he knows what he's capable of. But the text says he goes down to the stronghold, which is this fortress, it's a fort. He goes down and there he inquires of God because he understands my ability isn't his authorization. Just because I have the ability doesn't mean I'm authorized. See, because whatever, I, whatever gifts I have, they're on loan. Whatever ability I have, God gave it to me. Whatever talents I have, God gave it to me. Does that make sense? And because God gave it to me, God reserves the right to direct how they are used. And so even though I can use them, that doesn't mean I should use them because God, you reserve the right to tell me how much of them that I get to use, when do I get to use them, and what place I'm assigned to use them. So even though I can, my gifts aren't mine, and so I shouldn't operate with entitlement to feel like just because I can, I should. What do you want me to do? And the Bible says he fought. He says, Lord, shall I go? Will you deliver them into my hands? God says, yes. So he fights and he wins and he probably thinks it's over. And I think all of us have been there, right? Where you think you got victory about something and then it comes back. So the Bible says they come back. And so the Lord, so David does the same thing. He goes down again. It's, it's humility. He goes down again. He says, okay, uh, I need authorization. I got ability, but I need authorization. So he goes down. He says, shall I fight? God says, yes. He says, but this way, don't go straight up. This time, don't go straight up. He says, I want you to circle around the back. And then he says to them, as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, move quickly. Because that means the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. Now here it is. How do you hear marching in tops of trees? That's a different army. <laughs> That's an army that doesn't walk on the ground. That's an army that walks in the air. That's the Lord of hosts. That, that's God commanding the angelic host. He says, now before David's army hit him, you hit him. Before they get there, you get there. I want you to put a dent in it so that when they hit it, they can go through. Because the Philistines formed this line across the valley. And if you couldn't get through that front wall, you can get to the other troops that were behind it. So the only way they could win is if they had a breakthrough. God told David, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, that meant I went first. And I just put a breach in their proverbial wall. And now that I put a crack in the door, you kick it down. I don't know who this is for. Did you hear what I just said? He said, now that I put a crack in the door, you kick it down. Now that I put a dent in the wall, you knock it down. And there are some battles you need God to go before you. There are some conversations I need God to go ahead of me. I need God to get their heart ready for what I'm about to say. And when David got victory, he named the place. He renamed it from the Valley of Rephaim. And he called it Baal Perazim, which means Lord of the breakthrough. He said, every time I walk through here, it's going to remind me he's a way maker. 
And I think all of us have to find ways to come up with visible reminders to remind ourselves. Well, some of you need to put it in the kitchen. If that's where you are all the time, put it in the kitchen. Put it in your bedroom. Find a picture that says a waymaker. And every time you walk in the room, when you wake up in the morning, you look at before you start your day, you look at it and the picture will start talking to you. No matter what happens to you today, a way is already made. No matter what doors close, a way is already already made no matter what opportunities are denied a way is already made man so there you have it it's time for breakthrough dr darius daniels i really believe again if you put into practice the words that he spoke you will find yourself exiting cycles and entering into whole new seasons of your life you know one of the things that we do every single week as a church is remember the grace God has given us through Jesus on the cross. We take time to uh, remember the sacrifice through experiencing communion. Uh, in a moment, members from our VIP team are gonna come down and they're gonna pass out trays. And in those trays are stacks of cups. The bottom cup has some bread. It reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us. And the top cup has some juice. It reminds us of his blood that was poured out for us. And my hope is that as we take communion today, it would be a reminder for you that God came not so you could be stuck in a cycle, but so that you could break free break through and enter into the season he's called you to because God wants you wants to take you to the next level and the next level and the next level so let this be a time today where you just determine as you take communion God I'm done with this cycle I'm learning the lesson I'm moving forward and I'm ready to enter into what you've called me to thank you for listening to this podcast we pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message if you'd like to support this ministry financially Sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.